This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 54 of According to Flint, the podcast. Thanks, as always, to our friends at Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. This episode, a true According to Flint episode, as a few days ago I put out a post on my Facebook, on social media, asking for questions and comments, because I know there are a lot of unanswered questions and comments lingering out there, um, and I, I opened the, the can of worms. And I will do my best to address some of the things you wrote in about, both positive and negative. This is, you're going to get my take according to Flint. So looking forward to getting started. I even wrote things down today. So before we get started, let's have a little shot from our friends at Pendleton Whiskey. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Of course, thanks to our friends at Pendleton Whiskey. And as we release this podcast and as we record it, the big Pendleton Roundup going in up at, up going on up at Pendleton, Oregon. One of uh, the most unique, I think, the most unique week, full week in Western sports. They start their week, well, really, kind of a week before, a concert on Sunday, bull riding Monday, Tuesday, rodeo Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They drink Pendleton whiskey by the pallet loads, and it is one of the uh, most unique rodeos I ever did. Uh, One of my favorites, which I will get to in answering a question in a little bit, but uh, just a very unique experience, a small town which grows, triples in size, uh, probably more than that. Friday and Saturday, over 15,000 people at the rodeo. So that is going on now. And yes, I still have a strong connection to the rodeo world. And I do miss being at the Pendleton Roundup uh, in some way. I was a part uh, on the inside of that of this week at Pendleton, Oregon for about 20 years, a little bit over 20 years. And to, I don't know that I sit during the day and miss being there, but it feels awkward to be an outsider looking in on the Pendleton Roundup because for 20 years, I was not that guy. Uh, one of my favorites in the Hall of Fame at Pendleton at the Pendleton Roundup. So uh, that I'm sure, I'm sure as we record this, not telling you what time it is, but I will say it's not before noon. 
there is somebody drinking Pendleton whiskey, right? Not just somebody. Thousands of people are drinking Pendleton whiskey right now. And as you watch this, whenever you watch it. So thanks to Pendleton whiskey. Here's a, a, kind of how I wanted to approach this episode. I put out for specific questions. In essence, I get not just questions, but I get comments with no question. It reminds me a little sometimes of third grade where you say, as the teacher always says, you know, be sure to understand the difference between a question and a story. So what I want to do to start is address a couple of things that are very consistent in what people comment to me about or ask me about, and that is the team's concept of PBR and my role on TV. Those are the first two things I want to address, and then I'll address kind of some uh, more fun, specific questions. First of all, as you can imagine, at this time of year, coming in to late summer into the fall, with the PBR adjusting the seasons and when the World Finals is, it was a big, bold move by the PBR, by Sean Gleason, uh, the CEO of the PBR, to not just adjust the PBR season and when the World Finals is, which was tried 15 years ago and has been talked about for the last 15 years, um, but then also to throw in a new concept of bull riding in the late summer into the fall season. So it was a big move, a bold move, a lot of work for everyone and more for people in the home office in Pueblo, Colorado uh, and workers across the country, our crew that travels. It, a lot of them are overworked and it, it's a new venture and it's it's turning out to be kind of fun. So here... Some of my takes on the teams. First of all, I have said from the beginning on my Pluto show uh, that I do every week that is on Ride Pass, I am not here to be a cheerleader for PBR or the team's concept. I'm also not one. I know some people chime in like on social media and try to convince you if you don't like the team's concept if you're not fully bought in, or even some people, I do appreciate the passion of some people. I've always said the place, uh, sports and entertainment are needed in our society because I think we are dead without passion. Sports provides us passion. Look at what we do for our football teams. Um, I'm passionate about sports. I'm passionate about football. Um, And that gives you an outlet in your life to have some sort of passion for things. And I, we have discovered that people are very passionate about rodeo, bull riding, PBR, but not, not everyone has to love it. And I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you to love it. Um, I can't say love it. Damn it. You got to love it. No, you don't. I mean, am I a complete bought in, I want bull riding to be team's concept all year? Absolutely not. However, as we're about halfway through this little 10-week season of it, it's gotten pretty fun to watch. But what has surprised me is anger. Like, the to actually say things like, this is a joke, this is terrible, this is uh, all the words that are used. In my, people saying it under my Facebook post, and I understand I am an outlet because I am visible in the PBR. But being pissed off, uh, nothing has been ruined. So 
it is amazing to me the questions I get that people take the time to go online on Facebook and tell me that I can't believe the PBR isn't going to have a regular season. When is PBR ever going? Is this set in stone? Are we ever going to have a regular PBR season again? So you took the time to go on my Facebook page, but didn't take the time either to go to PBR.com or look at PBR's posts. Uh, big news, if you go to PBR.com and look at Unleash the Beast schedule, it starts Thanksgiving weekend in Tucson, Arizona. And we have events all the way through December. Uh, I'm going to miss a couple because I will go to the National Finals Rodeo to do my TV shows there. That has already been discussed. We have event. That's when the new season starts. So it will be a full season, and that was the plan all along. And we will crown a world champion in May at the PBR World Finals. So through the blur of emotion and social media frankly, bitching about things. Very few people, I believe, have actually looked at the 2023 Unleash the Beast schedule or even knows there is a schedule out there. The team thing was a chance to, uh, is a chance for people who maybe don't normally uh, just follow PBR to, to have an identity through a city. And we, we have seen home court advantages in Kansas City, in Carolina, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, Nashville had a home crowd, and it's fun. And the live events, it, w- it was a new experiment for us. We were given a direction of a product to present in the live arena and on TV, and the direction was completely different than what you've seen through the years on the Unleash the Beast tour, on our main tour. Completely different. The problem is, a lot of times in our industry, understandably, people don't like different. So uh, that was that was an actual direction, an order that we were given. I, by an order, I mean a, um, just let's attempt this. That's why the announcers are different. That's why they talk about different things. That's why in the live arena, we now do a hybrid. Every once in a while, we pump the good stuff that TV's doing those cool features into the live arena and uh, hopefully then maintain ener- the, the energy of that show. But uh, the, the anger about it, nobody's ruining bull riding. It's still bull riding. It's still the, uh, the top bull riders and the top bulls. So I understand the, the pushback of change, but nobody's trying to uh, ruin bull riding or take away the integrity or what's it, what it's about. Some people don't like team sports. Th- that's why they like, uh, I understand a lot of you, the reason you like rodeo or bull riding is sometimes you get tired of team sports. Sometimes you get tired of the politics of teams and trades and money. and um, So you don't have to love it. But if you like the guys, if you're fans of those bull riders, if you're fans of a lot of our bulls, you can still tune in and see them and see them ride. So again, I'm not here to convince you you have to like it. Um, that's okay. If you don't, keep up a little, see how everybody's doing, see if they're staying healthy. And the end of November, tune in, and we'll start the 2023 Unleash the Beast season. Um, so the, the one thing, though, about the adjusted season, there was anger about that too. One of the, I've said this, one of the hardest questions for me to answer on an airplane 
is when people ask what I do, I tell them who I work for and they say, oh yeah, I've seen that on TV. And then they say, when's your season? Well, we go first of the year in the middle of May and then we take a break in the summer and we start up in the fall again and our world finals is in November. And then they say, wow, your season goes all year. Hmm. So when we adjusted, I was amazed at that anger with what am I going to watch the other six months? I love NFL football, but I only get it for six months. So we didn't really take a break, but um, hell, every every other sport gets a break. We hear all the time that bull riding is so, it's uh, it hurts guys, it's hard on the bodies, and these guys are iron men. But then everybody's angry when, when they said they were going to get a break. So, uh, and in essence, they're not really because they're, they're still riding bulls. They're in the team competition. But interesting that I like the season where we actually have a season. Well, when's your season? It's from the end of November to the middle of May. That's our regular season. And in the summer, there's challenger events. There's events like Livingston and Big Sky and Binford, North Dakota and Bismarck, North Dakota and so there's the, that, the smaller tour where guys can pick and choose what they want to go to. They can take a break in the summer if they want. And then if they get picked up on a team, it's a 10-week, 10-event uh, team season. So I know some of you are watching right now and you, you probably just want to hit me back with a question. And I, I'm doing the best I can to give you my take on this because my take on it is, you don't have to love. Do you? And we working there, we we are starting. It was. It's been hard work to get in a groove, and I think it has changed. I think it is really. We are getting in a groove because it's all brand new to us too. And when it came out, I went. I, I don't know. I I love team sports, but a lot of cowboys and reason people watch again. Like I said, because they don't like team sports and you know what? We're given things at work just like you're given things at work that we don't always love, but it's our job. But now that we're into the teams, honestly, it's been kind of fun to watch. So I, am I looking forward to the Unleash the Beast tour? Sure. And it's going to be there. Um, but the, the it, I guess that I was just surprised at how uh, pissed off everybody was about it. Um, still bull ride and we're still going to have a season. Love your passion. But like I, I have a saying, I use it in the locker room all the time. We ain't freaking curing cancer here. It's bull ride. It's a sport. We do this because it's a, it's a passion we had and it's a job that we're good at and we love doing it. And it's supposed to be fun, just like going to an event is supposed to be fun. So understand it is, this isn't a poor me thing, but it's hard to take off and travel for five days and go to the East Coast and work and come home tired, and somebody messages you or posts under a thing bitching about what they saw. <laughs> like, uh, okay, it is your right. But social media has also given us that outlet to not wait, not so much ask for an answer, but just to express your opinion. And it is, there are pluses and minuses of social media. And uh, so it's it's a necessary evil of of what we do now. It's changed everything about professional sports. It's changed sponsorships. It's changed marketing. It's it's done all that. It's a part of what we do. So we the the best thing is we appreciate your passion. Um, but there, so uh, it's funny on one of those. 
comments about the teams. I'll just throw this in. Uh, one lady said, I, I hate that the PBR only talks about certain champions. What about, and listed uh, Cody Hart, and what about Michael Gaffney? You never talk about them. So I'm throwing in a question that was a part of uh, basically something about teams. Uh, we, we probably talk about certain champions. I, see, I'm an other sport guy. All my answers come back to other sports because I love football as a part of basketball, all of this stuff. They're the, the same way. Can you tell me who the MVP of the Super Bowl was three years ago? I mean, you could look it up. Sure, but are we talking about that? Can you tell me? Hell, I had to think about who won the Super Bowl last year. But who was the MVP? Was it Matthew Stafford or was it Cooper Cup? Or was it, I, I don't know. Wow, I guess we should have talked about them. Just random. I guess my question is, how do you just bring up certain champions in the process of putting on a show, the regular season events? For one, Michael Gaffney. Well, I always talk about Michael Gaffney because he was the, the world champion in PBR in 1997, and that was the first world finals I did. So it's a real reference point, and he's a dear friend of mine. And now he's the coach of one of the PBR teams. So we see him on TV every single week. They said, what about Cody Hart, Owen Washburn? Uh, I can throw Chris Shivers in there, one of the greatest bull riders of all time. Do we talk about them on a regular basis on a telecast of PBR? Probably not, because they're not playing an active role in what goes on. Do we just say, hey, let's talk about Cody Hart. Cody Hart had one of the greatest seasons in PBR history, but they are not, they choose to not really be around. They don't care if they're around. Owen Washburn is a rancher. Chris Shivers has kids. I, I saw Chris Shivers at the World Finals last year. I hadn't seen him forever. But they choose to not come around, so there's no real storylines. Do you think we, by the way, in the hallway tunnel at every World Finals, there's a picture of every single world champion. So, it, you know, we didn't talk about Ejene Kaminias, uh, the 20, 2002 world champion, for years. We are now because he's playing an active role. We don't pick and choose certain champions that we talk about. Hell, we talk about Tuff Hedeman. We talk about who else? Uh, Adriano because he was a three-time world champion. There are champions. Renato Nunes, do, do you remember he's a world champion? But they're just not around. So there really isn't a storyline there. We do not sit around and have meetings and go, screw Owen Washburn. Oh, I think Owen would probably think it's funny that we don't talk about if you know Owen Washburn. Yeah, there's no meeting there. So anyway, uh, another consistent, I don't know if I've done a good job answering, but again, I'm not here to convince you to like anything. You don't have to, whatever. Honestly, it's okay. That's your, that's your prerogative, but the anger of constantly you, to take the time and energy to make a pissed off comment because it's something you don't enjoy watching. I, just wait, wait a couple months. We'll be back be cowboy against bull. It'll be the same, which it kind of is now. Uh, several people asked about my TV role. Uh, now, there was an article posted that I would be just doing sideline reporting on TV. Um, and then as it turns out, a couple events in, I turned up in the arena again. So it goes back to what I said, that we were given the directive and PBR had the directive of creating a project that looked, sounded, stimulated everything visually it's different by the way the team's competition 
if you can go to a live event, visually, the arena that has been built specifically for this, we have our own show lighting that's spectacular. The arena itself is built a little different. It's LED boards around the vent. It, it is amazing. And that's all just going to make the Unleash the Beast tour better and hopefully make the riders better too. So if you haven't been to one live, it's pretty cool visually. So um, the directive was the sport and the competition is going to sell itself. And a few weeks in, I think probably Sean Gleason, our CEO, had it in mind all along. The first two weekends, in the bottom of my suitcase, I had my Cooper Tire uniforms because <laughs> I had a feeling. So I guess, you know, I've been asked, what's the rewarding part? What do I enjoy? I've always enjoyed doing things like this. I've been watching, I've probably watched as many bull rides as anybody. Uh, even though I'm not a bull rider myself, I think I can pick apart a ride. I see uh, things maybe other people don't because I have a unique way of looking at things. So I like the outlet and the opportunity to bring my perspective on what's going on, not necessarily technicalities of a ride, but more the the ins and outs of what's going on maybe behind the scenes and in the arena. So I, I enjoy that. And it's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, the, the hard thing has been to be all in on something I'm not sure week to week what my role is going to be. Winston-Salem, North Carolina, I was TV the first night in the arena the next two nights. Frankly, honestly, it's hard because it's two completely different jobs. So I don't necessarily have that week to prepare and go a direction. So that has been the hard part. The other hard part has been, um, it. I did not retire from the arena. I'm still working in the arena. I will do next season on the Annalise Beast Tour. I know there's some of you probably going, oh, great. Too bad. You get me at least one more year. So uh, uh, I did not do that. That's the other thing. Am I, I'd love, what, if I do make a decision, say I'd like to do TV, I'll be all in. The problem is I, I didn't make the call. That, that's, that doesn't, it's not supposed to sound negative. But I didn't make the call. I didn't retire. They said, we're going to pull you out of the arena for a bit, go on TV. So I go uh, I go back and forth on it a little bit, but it's made me appreciate my job in the arena. Uh, I think what it comes down to from week to week, even night to night for PBR is, okay, here's our TV format. Here's the, here's the show we're going to present. Where am I the most valuable hey, there's a whole bunch of promotions in live arena with a whole bunch of commercials on TV. Go to the arena. You're more valuable tonight or tomorrow night, whatever, in that position. And I think that's how the decision has been made in the last few weeks. Um, hey, Friday night, we really need you on TV. This is the format. Go to TV. At the finals in Vegas for the teams, I'm not sure. I don't know yet. Honestly, as we record this, I'm getting ready to go to Oklahoma City. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I I pack a lot of stuff in a suitcase. So, and completely honest, physically to have some nights off, uh, the few weeks I had off where I was just doing TV and we have some random weekends off with the team uh, concept here. Physically, I can use it. My legs are not great. So that's been okay. So that is how the TV thing works it was just going to be me strictly on tv but i knew in the back of my head i would be 
back in the arena. So hopefully on TV, I've created or offered something that people find entertaining and informative. And uh, it, a microphone is not foreign to me, as you can see here. So anyway, those were the two things. Uh, my TV role and the teams, whether I answered them well or not, at least you posted them, I addressed them. So there you go. Remember when Letterman used to throw the card? There you go. Big studio in-studio audience today. One guy. All right. So now, maybe something a little uh, lighter. I have taken some of the questions that people have asked, and I do appreciate it. Can't get to all of them, but I picked some out to kind of uh, do a reasonably timed podcast here. First of all, I'll pick, I, I did pick an order for a reason. Let's lighten it up. Who decides what song a rider gets as their intro song? Baseball, they call it a walk-up song. So we use that term too. So who decides what song and at what point do they get a song? You look at it, we have some great music guys. Um, and in the past, I've worked with great music guys, guys like Chuck Lopeman and now his son, Austin. Mark Stevenson was around for so long and Richard Jones and Brad Narducci. I worked with Benji and I mean, there's some great music guys. Uh, PBR is a little, the way, the reason PBR is a little different is because we have an actual, actual tour. It's kind of the same couple music guys every week and kind of the same bunch of riders, the top riders it's guaranteed they're going to be there. And that's what's cool about PBR and touring with PBR is there is a consistency to what we're doing. It's almost like a concert tour. So we know what riders are going to be there and we get to know them. Um, most of the time, a lot of the times, it's a rider who goes to the music director and says, here's this song. I wrote it down. Look it up. I want that as my walk-up song. Music guy goes in edits, listens to lyrics, because a lot of songs right now you can't play, or does an edit point where they can use it as their intro song as they pull their rope and get ready. If it's terrible, we've made that decision. If a writer gives a song that's just going to be not good, yeah, find another one. Um, and at what point do they get one? That is, I don't know that, I don't know that a guy making his debut on the Unleash the Beast tour could come to Richard Jones and say, play this song for me. Uh, however, we do respect that guys do that. So if it was a good song, they probably uh, would. There's no guideline to, you got to be here so long before you get a song. And sometimes they work very well in it. And, but look in the past, the history, um, I Can't Stop, Silvano Alves, Bad to the Bone, of course, probably the biggest trademark walk-up song history of Western sports because when JB went to rodeo, they used it at rodeo too. Um, surprised rodeo would let him play it on the air because it came from PBR. Anyway, uh, there have been, you know, Nothing Can Stop, uh, what's that song? Nothing Can Stop Me, I'm all the way up. Is that, that's Cooper Davis. Uh, Cooper Davis had a good one. Jess Lockwood had money for nothing, chicks for free. Uh, there are there have been some great ones, but there's really no actual guideline. And but either the writer decides, or every once in a while, the music director will pick a song that he thinks fits, and then it catches on. So there you go. Speaking of bad to the bone, I get the question. I can't believe I got this question. 
I can't, I can't believe that somebody asked about J.B. Mooney. Remember, that was the running joke for a while. When do you think JB will be back to riding on the Unleash the Beast tour? I can say in one word, never. That's not a bad answer. I just don't, uh, JB went and rodeoed and loved rodeoing. And I actually hope he gets back to being able to go to rodeos. Uh, I think JB would admit his body is not great. And I have not talked to JB in a while, but I, I can tell you with pretty, quite a bit of confidence he'll never ride in the PBR again by his choice. So I think, you know, I got a lot of questions. I remember getting stopped at a rodeo that I was at with someone and somebody said, hey, come on, tell us the real story. What happened with JB in the PBR? Why did he go rodeoing? Uh, and I said, well, because he was like 0 for 13 on the season. His body was beat to crap and he wanted to go. He kind of rode himself healthy rodeoing, so good for him. I mean, we were happy for him, made it to the NFR. I know he's had some some more injuries, tried to come back. I, I don't keep up with him, but but that's the answer. He's a legendary PBR bull rider, will be in the ring of honor someday with the, the PBR's version of the Hall of Fame. So we're happy for him, but never. Uh, on that same line, somebody actually said, what happened to the Lockwood boys? That's an easy one to find out. Jess Lockwood had been hurt. He's had some bad injuries. Uh, he just tried to come back uh, to ride for the, the Oklahoma team and the PBR teams, and the week before, got on a practice bull at home, got off, landed on his hands and knees, and in a freak accident, tore up his knee again. The uh, Jake Lockwood, I saw him in the summer. He goes to some Challenger Series events. He just hasn't had the success that his brother has had. The other thing is they're ranchers in southeast Montana. Um, they got some ranching going on. So it's not their whole complete identity. Um, but Jess Lockwood, all you got to do is look it up. He, he's just been hurt. Let me make something very clear, though. I see some pretty derogatory comments questioning Jess Lockwood's heart and tribe based on injuries. Every injury that Jess Lockwood has had that has kept him out of competition for months at a time is a legitimate, uh, pretty severe injury like right now somebody said he's done he does he just doesn't have the heart he used to he tore his damn knee up like i mean it's a bad deal every injury he's had uh you know he tore his hamstring came back and for some reason didn't feel right they discovered in the same injury had split his pelvis open i mean you can go through his laundry list of injuries and then i could challenge any of you to try to come back from any of those so that's what has gone on with jess lockwood and a lot of people question Jess Lockwood's toughness because of the way he looks. He's small and he's cute and he smiles. Jess Lockwood's a state champion wrestler from Montana. He's a beast. So anyway, that's where the Lockwood boys are. So Jess, Jake, um, Ed, their dad, Angie, their mom. We'd love to see you back. We'd love to see all of you. His aunt, Lisa Lockhart, um, one of the greatest cowgirls and barrel racers of all time. There you go. You're going to be related to them pretty soon, huh, Logan? Logan here, his brother's marrying. Uh, I hope they go through with it. His brother's marrying uh, Jess Lockwood's first cousin, Alyssa Lockhart. Look, at it's, it's an incestual little world we live in. <laughs> uh, good question here. What happens to the bulls that don't buck? And the person said, serious question. Do they go in somebody's freezer? Do they 
You know what? And it is a question we get asked a lot. What happens to the bulls that don't buck? Well, for one, they're not beef animals anymore. They used to just round up bulls and see if they'd buck and whatever. If they didn't, they butchered them, blah, blah, blah. There is heavy duty breeding programs going on. So there's different steps. For one, there's a whole lot more actual bulls, you know, bulls with nuts <laughs> that aren't steers alive than there used to be because, um, it's a huge registry of bucking bulls. It's its own breed now. So there's a huge population of bulls that weren't around in the past because they're bucking bulls. If they do not make it, not every bull bucks. That's just a fact. However, if they are not good enough to be on the major PBR tour, the Unleash the Beast tour, they will put them up for sale, advertise them as a lower level bull. Maybe they're a, a take to smaller rodeos. Maybe they go... You know, just lower levels down the line where there is a job for that bull um, besides on the... If they're on the major tour of the PBR, that's like a rider getting on the major tour of the PBR. But otherwise, um, if not, they'll go through a sale ring. Uh, you know, I can't tell you specifics, but yeah, there's a chance. Um, I, I mean, what's the reality here? Not... By the way, the the percentage of bulls that actually buck now out of a breeding program are way higher than they used to be because they have the breeding program figured out. But could they become hamburger? I suppose. I mean, the the real life here is um, now you're not you're not going to take a unleash the beast major PBR tour bull and he has a bad day and you eat him. I mean, that's just not how it works. But do bovines do cows steers bulls become Hamburger at some point, the great one, by the way, the great bulls, when they retire, never. Uh, they they become, you know, sires. Uh, Chad Berger has some, some of the greatest bulls in the world buried on his place in a row. So that doesn't happen. But young bulls that there's no chance, yeah, they're fattened up, I suppose they become hamburger. That's just reality. I mean, that's, sorry, everybody that doesn't know where your meat comes from, but that is. So good question. Um, so now we're getting to some, I like, this was the one I almost called somebody on this. What are three ingredients that every championship rider have in common? So all the winners, what are three things they have in common that is unique to the sport itself? That's where the catch in this question comes from is what three ingredients unique to this sport do they all have so i started thinking first of all if i give you three ingredients of a champion that are common to all of our champions if i went down the line from justin mcbride to chris shivers to i'll throw ty murray he was never a pbr champion by the way but i'll throw him and by the way we talk about ty murray because he was on tv for a while uh, throw Ty Marie and Tuff Hedeman, Adriano Moraes, J.B. Mooney. You line them up and you pick three ingredients that they all have to make them champions. Are those three traits or however many traits you can come up with, maybe it's one major one, are those unique to our sport or could you look at Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and uh, Michael Jordan and LeBron James and do you think they'd have similar traits with them? Whatever traits you come up with with champions in our sport are probably not just unique to our sport. I can tell you one trait 
that Jess Lockwood has, Cooper Davis has, J.B. Mooney has, uh, Justin McBride has, all of them. Some of them are more visible with it than others. Some of them have become polarizing and taken heat for the way they act about it. They absolutely hate losing. Hate it. This is our living. This is our passion. They're riding not just for big money because they want to win and they hate, hate to lose. I think J.B. Mooney was, was very polarizing. You loved him or hate him because he'd go backstage. He was the first one to throw his rope down the hall and his hat and kick things because he hates. That's why he's still riding today with a body that is beat to crap because he hates losing. Watch Justin McBride as a team coach now and his team, his Nashville team has struggled. They're at the bottom of the eight team standings and it's driving him crazy because he didn't lose and he hates to lose. You see it, but that's not unique. You see NFL players. What happens to the best NFL player or the best college football player in the nation every year? He gets drafted to the NFL by the worst team. So he's got to lose for a few years and they've never lost and they hate losing and they got to be able to come out of that. So I think that's the major one. Other ingredients, two more ingredients. I think focus and drive is one ingredient. Justin McBride talked about, I think on, on this podcast, that yeah, they sat in hotel lobbies and played guitars and drank beer. They did some stupid stuff. They were out places they shouldn't have been, but all of it, whatever they did, circled back to bull riding and winning and riding bulls. So there was always, that was first and foremost in their mind, uh, is a focus on the job at hand. And if you're ever around those great champions, JB, now it's Jose Vitor Lemmy, uh, Cooper Davis, there's still guys around. Their whole life is that. And when you're doing a job like bull riding, it's got to be first and foremost on your mind all the time. So that's two three, uh, it, it, it would be real general, but would it be, <clears throat> I think it would be heart. But maybe that goes along with the all-in thing. And we do see things unique to our sport. I, a lot of people say toughness. Maybe that's what it is, but I don't even know how to define that. Because I worked forever with Frank Newsom. Everybody said, toughest man alive. Oh, he's so tough. And Frank Newsom hated that. He'd just roll his eyes. I'm just doing my job. I'm just doing my job. And so I do think pain tolerance of bull riders is extraordinary. I think J.B. Mooney talked about, has talked about uh, being in pain all the time when he gets on bulls. And people are like, we can do something to manage your pain. He said, well, then it's different. I've gotten used to it. So I think pain tolerance with cowboys in general, especially bull riders, probably bareback riders in rodeo, I think pain tolerance is out of this world, which mine is not. I do not like pain of any kind. So anyway, there's some ingredients, but I don't think any of it is real um, unique to our sport. Good question. Um, I liked this one because it's an inside. I like inside things. Who arranges and books travel, hotels, laundry when we're on the road? Is, do you have an assistant? Is it managed by the PBR? Uh, so there's a difference. I can answer for myself and I can kind of speak for the riders. 
uh, I am an employee of the company. So my travel, my flights are booked through the company, but I do it. So I pick out what flights and I have to get them approved. But I know flying out of Billings, Montana is not, there's certain, I kind of know the flight schedule. So I do it on my own, which reminds me, I got to book some flights coming up. Uh, I do book my travel. Hotels, again, I'm on the, I'm on the production team. So hotels are booked by the PBR for us and we are informed. I do my own laundry. However, the crew, our, our crew that never goes home, uh, that drives the trucks and you see them in the arena in the black shirts, they're back working in the back pins. They, when they get to the next stop, all of those shirts they wear and Wranglers are sent to the cleaners and they have road cases that travel and all their shirts and jeans hang in a road case. So good for them because they work harder than the rest of us. Riders are not employees of the company. Now with the teams thing, there are certain teams. I know Austin does a lot for their team. Arizona does quite a bit for their team as far as flights, transportation, hotels. Suddenly those riders are not necessarily staying at the hotel we're staying at on the road because the team ownership is taking care of that for them. But Unleash the Beast Tour, riders arrange, I believe, hotels and flights all by, all on their own. Uh, I do not have an assistant. The guy said, Logan. I do not. I don't have an assistant. Um, I did for years when I was married. I will say my wife did a lot. So um, anyway, most a lot of that's done on her own. Good question. In the same, I like this though. I think it was a lady. In the same question said, do riders wear protective cups like baseball players to protect? No. I don't, I've never known a bull rider that wore a cup. And I think it would affect, technically they're not sitting on that. If you watch how they ride, they sit up. Not really an issue. The only time riders, that part gets injured is getting, probably getting stepped on more than in a cup. You get stepped on by a bull and cup ain't stopping it. So I found, I found it interesting that the, the question went from booking hotels and flights to by the way, do you wear it, protect your balls? Anyway, but it's funny because people think that's really, if you ride the correct way, you're not sitting. You're kind of up. Anyway, what do I know? Right? Um, okay, I liked, I liked this one. It was strictly about, uh, the individual asked this, Flint, what are your, uh, through all of your years in the PBR, what are your top five moments you've experienced in PBR? And he said, not necessarily rides, just moments in the PBR. Well, I can't, I had a really good rodeo career as well. And I, when I start thinking about it, it's amazing how much stuff I do not remember about shows and moments because we do things and move on. So what I did, I really brainstormed here. My top five moments, but it includes rodeo as well. How's that? We good? So here they are. Kind of in order. Yeah, I'm going to go starting with number five. I'll think of one later. Should uh, Starting with number five, not one moment, but every time Jose Vitor Leme has ridden the bull whoopa. Uh, honorable mention, um, 
at one point, the greatest ride I had ever seen was J.B. Mooney on Pearl Harbor in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But number five, Joe Say, every time he rode the bull whoop. Unbelievable. Then I come home and see on social media, what the hell's PBR doing? No way, that was a 97-point ride. In person, greatest rides I've ever seen. That bull, his front feet were eye-high with me. It No way did TV ever capture what those bull rides were and how perfect. Jose um, rode those bulls. So that's, it's not one singular moment, but an experience. Number four, I had to pick one moment of material I did that I think uh, when it comes up, I sit and watch it and laugh at it because of the moment and because the mood... The timing of it, I'll say this and then I'll tell you which one it is. And Logan's going to guess which one it is. The timing of it could not have been better. How it fit and where my mind was on that night in Thomas and Macarena at the PBR World Finals. If you go on YouTube, you can find when I did the bull snake bit. I had done it in rodeos for years before with a flank that they dropped during the bronc riding, and I was Steve Irwin. I had the tan suit. So I had done it for years rodeoing and had touched on it at a regular season event. And it's where the bull rope lays in the dirt, and and it was a snake, and I did the whole crockies. Have a look at him. Look it up on YouTube. The reason it was an amazing, people say to me all the time, why don't you do that again? Here's how it fell together. In my ear, they tell me, hey, we have a four and a half, we are live TV. We have a four and a half minute commercial break coming up and we have nothing in it. Flint, this is all your commercial. That's what they tell me in my ear. There's one bull to go. And then I have a four and a half minute commercial and in my head I'm going, all right, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? The next bull rider was an Australian bull rider and his bull bucked out and right in front of the shark cage, his bull rope dropped. And as the bullfighters walked out, probably what nobody saw, as the bullfighters walked out, I said, leave it, leave it. Shorty Gorham knew because he'd been to rodeos, I'd done it. And he drew everybody back. We never actually, if you watch it, we never actually like throw to a commercial and say, hey, we'll be right back. That all that formal segue crap that some people can't live without. Brandon Bates, you can hear him in the background. And we just started this whole thing. And I watch that to this day and it's like I'm watching someone else because my brain was flowing that day, man. And the whole thing, the interaction with Brandon Bates and then Jesse Byrne walking up, he was young and he, and then Shorty threw another rope out. It was the, you can't, those are the greatest moments. You can't script them. They fall together like, it is, we watched it just the other day. I laugh when I watch it because I'm funny in that. Uh, and I wish some more moments like that would come up again. So that's four. Number three, um, all of my, I am in three historic rodeos, Hall of Fame. Uh, I've been inducted into three Halls of Fame. I think it's Halls of, Hall of Fames? Halls of Fame? It's like mothers-in-law. and I'm in three of them. St. Paul, Oregon. Uh, Ellensburg, Washington, and the Pendleton Roundup in Pendleton, Oregon. Highlight, humbling, and most uh, 
overwhelmed I've ever been getting put in Halls of Fame. Number two, in my career, uh, I would say, oh, I should have looked up the year. The year at the World Finals in Thomas and Mac Arena when every night the last two riders were the two guys battling for a world title, J.B. Mooney and Silvano Alves. When the Brazilian crowds showed up with Brazilian flags, a whole section of them the first night, and they start singing a song when Silvano rode, and the first couple of nights, the the rest of the fans, the American fans, would look at them and thought they were annoying. And as the week went, everybody brought American flags. And as soon, it was, I get goosebumps. Ugh, I have goosebumps talking about it. What happened was, Silvano, I think, came in number one. So JB was the second to the last. Here, JB Mooney. Na, 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 na. Yay. Then Silvano was last. So the Brazil, his song had come on and all the Brazilians would stand up. So they had the advantage. As the week went, JB became the number one rider in the world. So he became the last guy. And by the end, credit to our announcers. And I believe it was Brandon Bates and I think Clint Atkins was around at that time. They didn't say a word. There'd be a pause and they'd wait. Something, I'm sorry to all rodeo announcers. My brother is one and all my dear friends. You don't have to talk to create a moment. And it would be, Silvano, they'd announce the score, da-da-da, and the announcers had set their microphones down and just stand there. No music, nothing. It was amazing. No music, nothing. Mark Stevenson was the music guy, and he'd wait. And the crowd would start to stand up because they knew what was coming. There was only one guy left. Still get goosebumps. And they'd look, and I... They'd do this, click, da, 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 and the whole freaking place would go crazy. It was not just a great moment in my life in PBR Rodeo. One of the greatest sporting moments I've ever been a part of that whole week. J.B. Mooney rode everything and ended up being the world champion. It was the use of production and the use of announcers stepping out music stepping out and then using they'd let that music play they didn't have to, they didn't have to say all that crap that is said look at this guy he everybody knew they let the silence and the music carry the moment until it was time for them to actually say something and i wish i had it recorded to show everyone that you just don't need to talk all the time there you go that's number two number one's easy the greatest moment of my career uh, is, was in 1998. As a kid in a rodeo family, growing up watching one night of the National Finals Rodeo on the Heston telecast every year, and it was just uh, even to be able to go watch it was like overwhelming to me. In 1998, I rolled my barrel out into the Thomas and Mac Arena for my very first Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, and it was overwhelming it was. My mouth was so dry. I t actually told this story this morning on my brother's radio show. Um, I knew I couldn't... It, it, at the NFR, later in my career, I did get to perform a little bit and wear a microphone. But at that point, it's, a, it's more just an honor how you get voted to be the barrel man at the NFR. And my mouth was dry. And you can't leave the locker room. There's no room. You can't go watch the rodeo. You watch it on a monitor in your locker room. During the barrel racing, you get to come down the tunnel. 
And there's this energy comes up that tunnel and oh my God, I was so nervous and I knew I couldn't talk. So I got a piece, somebody gave me a piece of gum. So I sat out there, they introduced me and I just, here I am, I'm in the middle. I had never even sat anywhere except the top seats until I got the NFR. I'm chewing gum. The whole time, 15 bull rider. When I chew gum, I chew the hell out of that gum. My mom and dad are there. First NFR. We go, we get dressed, ride the elevator up to the concourse. Mom and dad are waiting there proudly. One of their kids made it to the NFR. And I walk up, my mom says, how was the gum? <laughs> Greatest ever. Not over so proud. I've never chewed gum in the arena since. I'll, I'll chew gum at the beginning and then spit it out as soon as the show starts because I... I'm obnoxious. So there you go. So there's my top five. How was that? Not bad. I think they're a good five. I think they're a good five. Uh, last thing. Or two more, two more things. Um, to wrap it up, I think they're a good way to somebody said, Do you ever do you have any interest in going back to working at rodeos? Of course. Uh, it has crossed my mind as I get to the end, more to the end of my career. Um, crossed my mind more in a almost hypothetical way, but yeah, it, uh, I'm be honest. Yeah. I've looked into it. I've dug into it. Here's the, here's the deal with rodeos. It, uh, I have, I've told people if I could pick 10 rodeos to do, uh, even doing PBR. And then in the at certain times a year, I get to do 10 rodeos. I would do that. Here's the problem. Well, it's not really a problem. It's just a fact. The rodeos that I want to pick to do, I would be three years, two, three years out from being able to do them because that's how far in advance they're contracted with other clowns, uh, entertainers, whatever you want to call them. They might have JJ Harrison or John Harrison or Matt Merritt or whoever booked for a two or three year contract. And I would never be the guy to go try to scoop those up. I mean, I do think it's part of business, but that's the reality. So that's what makes it hard. But I, if I could pick 10 rodeos to do and and do it, that would be fun. So guess what people ask me? What are your 10 rodeos you'd do? In no order. And I know I'll leave one out, but here's my 10 rodeos I would do if they said, hey, Flint, you, uh, we'll pay you whatever. By the way, I think I could make good money. <laughs> but here they are, 10 rodeos. First of all, um... I would do the run that just is happening right now of Ellensburg, Lewiston, Idaho, Pendleton Roundup. Ellensburg, Pendleton are my marquee events in that. With all due respect to, to Lewiston, it's just the history of those. So uh, Ellensburg's Labor Day weekend, Lewiston is in between and then Pendleton. And that run, are there are three amazing places. And in my year right now at the Pendleton Roundup. So there's three. Pendleton, Lewis, Ellensburg, Pendleton, Ellensburg, Lewiston, Pendleton. Here's the other ones I'd pick. Cheyenne. I'd go back Cheyenne, 10 days. Reno in June for 10 days. Physically, that'd be hard, but hypothetically, if I pick 10. Sisters, Oregon. There you go. A sleeper maybe, but not for the people who've been to Sisters, Oregon. Red Bluff and Clovis, California in April. St. Paul, Oregon on the 4th of July. 
I got to pick one winter rodeo too, and I'm going with Tucson, the La Fiesta de los Vaqueros. Honorable mention, number 11, this was tough, Hermiston, Oregon, Northwest. There you go. I would not, I would not pick, thanks, Logan says not Calgary. I don't think so. If I have to pick 10, that's a tough one. I went back and forth. Um, I loved, I was Calgary 20 years. I think it's changed a little bit. Um, it's city. It has a whole different feel. So my, my, I had to eliminate one if I picked Calgary. So I left Calgary off, plus it's, it's in Canada, so I'm exempting it. It could be thrown in. Okay, so that, yeah, that's a tough one. So that's them. Ellensburg, Lewiston, Pendleton, Cheyenne, Sisters, Red Bluff, Clovis, St. Paul, Reno, Tucson with Hermiston. Hermiston and Calgary, honorable mentions. There you go. That's my 10. I do. To wrap things up, and this question actually came from Timber Tuckness, uh, Dusty Tuckness's dad, who's a rodeo clown and has been for 100 years, Timber. Uh, I thought it was a good question and something good to end on. How do you think the entertainment part of rodeo bull riding has changed in the last 20 plus years? I think it's changed a lot. I think rodeo clowns have gotten, I have expressed this to where they even say, I mean, PBR, I've been called the arena entertainer because it's not, that came from the fact it wasn't a rodeo and I did more contemporary stuff and not just clown things. But um, it's changed one in what people call themselves, but I say be proud of the name uh, rodeo clown. I have buckles that say PRCA clown of the year and I'm proud of that. I was proud to be a great rodeo clown. It's changed in the standard. It's changed in the style of entertainment and the quality of entertainment that we have to provide in the Western sports world. There are so many things to do and see in our society now at the touch of a button, at the touch of a phone, a video game, online gaming. Uh, we, have, we have had to change with the times to keep people hooked into our entertainment while still holding on the, to the tradition of Western sports. We see it with the PBR teams right now. Um, it's something different to let people have a connection to bull riding in a different way, and people are pissed off because it's messing with what the, the foundation of the sport is. And I sometimes do agree with that. Um, but we have had to change. Um, but in the last 20 years, so from when I was really getting rolling, I've seen it change in... For one, the use of a music director that truly can help the tempo and mood of a rodeo using music. I've always said music is the ultimate um, emotion-touching tool that we have in our world and in our lives. I always feel bad for people who music doesn't mean anything to them because it fits every occasion and it can set the move, I, mood. I just told the story of when it was JB and Silvano. The music, we didn't need to talk. The music controlled the emotions. That has become an integral and everyday part of rodeo and bull riding, which wasn't always there. There are people that just make a living playing music at events. At rodeos, bull ridings, western events, sporting events. So that's a big thing. In turn, when I came in and we started using music at rodeos, my clown acts that I did involved music and dancing because that's what I did. But now I think because I had success with it, people expect the rodeo clown or entertainer to dance. That's just what I did. So we can't expect that from everybody, but it's an expectation. I hope with what I did and and 
change the style of how it was done that maybe I've moved that bar a little bit and set the expectations a little bit. Um, All I ever wanted to be was an entertainer, whether it was uh, acting or music, just being on stage as an athlete. That's all I ever wanted to be. So I think the difference with what I was doing, I was in the entertainment business. I wasn't a guy that used to be a bullfighter and moved to the barrel and did clown acts. That's all I ever wanted to be was an entertainer of some sort. Rodeo being from my family background, rodeo was my avenue to do that. So in the last 20 years, it has shifted from the, there are still good old traditional rodeo clowns with 10 minute clown acts with big props out there. And I think there is a great place and a necessity for that in rodeo. I think rodeo clowns should have some sort of feature act. And I hear some say, I just really like the walking and talking. I I just like the ad lib stuff. Well, you're not good, that good at that either, but keep it up. I'm not picking anybody out. It's just, um, there is a place for all of that. It has changed in how hard we have to work to keep fans there. But look, rodeos across the country are uh, have record-setting attendance, sold-out rodeos all over. PBR has different aspects they're going. So it's there, but it like everything else, it changes as society changes. Um, so uh, you can't... I do think we've had to change because you're more accountable because of the easy access, because of social media. Um, if if something is done wrong, you say something wrong, and I've done my best to... Uh, I, people know I, I completely avoid any politics. That's low-hanging fruit to make fun of politicians or what going on, what is going on in society. We're supposed to give people an escape, and that's what we need to do. But nowadays, you're going to be on social media. And that will that is not pleasant if you are out there. So so everything in our society contributes to how things have changed in the rodeo entertainment world. So um, I hope I have answered or at least entertained a little, given you some insight into how my brain works. I like to do this once in a while, where you know many of you know that at, like at PBR World Finals when I do my outside the barrel show, my favorite part of that is taking questions from the crowd. Because we don't always, I want to know what you want to know. We can talk about this all day, but it becomes work for us. And we don't always know what intrigues you and what what insight you want. So I'm glad to have it. So for those of you who actually commented or posted a question on social media that now tuned in because you actually did want an answer or me to address it, I appreciate you watching. So uh, join me again. Uh, Appreciate you tuning in for this unique episode without a guest, but next one I will. Not sure who it'll be next time, but we, we enjoy doing this for you. This has been According to Flint. See you on the next episode.